When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forearm strain. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is March 10th, 2023. Where were you one year ago today? I was sitting in this chair or a chair just like it saying, today may be the day Major League Baseball lockout ends and baseball's back. And it was. It's been a year. Remember we said, don't worry, you're going to forget about it. Did any of you know it's been a year? Forearm strain. God, do I hate spring training. I love the World Baseball Classic. I was up this morning watching Otani, watching Japan try to go to 2-0, and my pick for the World Baseball Classic. Can't wait for them to get over to the States, not because I don't like Japan, because I do. It's that games are in the morning and in the night because of the time difference. Get me to Arizona and Miami. Quarterfinals, semis, finals. Japan's good. Forearm strain bothers me because that word always means a problem for a pitcher. When the doctor would call us or the trainer would call us and say, there's a forearm strain, we've got an issue with the pitcher, we'd go to the MRI, we'd look at the MRI, they'd say, oh, we're okay, it's rest. 10 days to two weeks of rest is what we were always told with forearm strain. And then the dreaded reevaluate. The New York Yankees have a small problem. They went out in the market and overpaid for a pitcher named Carlos Rodon, who's had two good years the least, the most recent two years. And prior to that, Tommy John, shoulder, all sorts of problems that led to him being what I would consider an injury-prone player. Then he comes up with two full years and gets a huge contract from the New York Yankees to be their number two starter behind Garrett Cole. This is a Yankee rotation that, as you know, Frankie Montas, we talked about that last week in, in the show, he's out with shoulder problems until God knows when, maybe all of 2023. Nestor Cortez was taken off the World Baseball Classic team because he's got an injury. He may not be ready for opening day, but they're saying he is. Then you go to Clark Schmidt, Herman, the former Marlin. doesn't matter. What matters is that when you sign a pitcher to a contract like that for a player who had been injured, you are assuming and hoping that his prior injuries will not happen, that he's not injury prone, and that he'll be available. But this time of year, when you get the news of a forearm strain, it is the most interesting time of year because what is said to you publicly is in direct opposition to what is thought of internally and privately. We saw it in the NBA just now with Kevin Durant. We're toward the end of the season. He hurts his ankle. It's released to you. Yeah, Rumors are could be the entire rest of the regular season. Then they clarify it two to three weeks. There's very little difference as you get on in the season about what's going to happen. You can't hide when it's going to be a month and there's only a month to go. 
You can announce it as four weeks. You can announce it as the host the rest of the regular season. But in spring training, you get the opportunity to do a lot of different things. You get to say, we believe our player is not going to be ready for opening day. Well, NSS, baby, of course, Rodon is not going to be ready for opening day. Any sort of hiccup in spring training, if you're a pitcher, causes you not to be ready for opening day for a starting pitcher. Because spring training is mapped out so the progression without missing a start allows you to just be ready for the first start of the regular season. So any sort of hiccup, you've got an opening day problem. It doesn't mean you have an IL problem, just an opening day problem. So it starts with not ready for opening day. Then it graduates to opening the season on the injured list. Then it graduates to the first month of the season. Then it graduates to maybe before the all-star break. Then it graduates to just after the all-star break, he'll be back. Then you'll start hearing he should be ready by September. I'm telling you, watch this happen. You are all going to laugh when you hear these announcements by teams because that is the time that we break up the season into. And where we are in spring training, it's not ready for opening day. We're about two days away from he's opening the season, opening the season on the injured list. Carlos Rodon is going to open the season on the injured list. There's no question about that. He's not throwing for two weeks. He can't hide the fact it's not like a DeGrom, right? When spring training started, he had some tightness. He was delayed on his bullpens. That's just, we're hoping he's ready for opening day, not talking about injured list. When you are in the middle of March and you're missing one to two weeks without throwing, then for sure you're starting on the injured list. Now, what's interesting about a forearm strain is that you can't test that. What you're supposed to do and what Rodon's going to do and what the Yankees have told him to do is nothing. But what do you all do when something hurts? I know you do it because I do it too. You know, you have a little thing in your knee or your throat. Have you ever had a sore throat and you swallow way more than usual because you're testing whether or not your throat is still sore? Or you feel like you're sprained your ankle, so you're stepping on your ankle even more just to say, oh, does that hurt? Let me see how far I can go. Does that hurt? or when you're running and your knee hurts, you're always testing something. Not good. Because when you test it, what you're actually doing is stopping it from healing and you're making it worse. So what we tell the pitchers to do is nothing. Literally, don't use your hand for anything. Use your other hand. But what do pitchers do? They take. I've seen this in the clubhouse. They take a ball, they'll take a hard ball and They'll squeeze it or they'll throw it up and down like this. I'm doing it with my handkerchief right now. I keep a handkerchief in case I sweat or sneeze or cough. And I keep tissues and water and glasses and some sort of yellow putty that can clean my keyboard. I'm pretty sure it is not really good for me to inhale. That's what's in front of me and a phone. So pitchers have a ball. They're throwing it up and down. They're squeezing it. They're trying to see how it feels. But the thing with pitching is you don't really know the extent of your injury until you throw a ball, like you're going to pitch a ball, not a soft toss. So the forearm strain is the scariest of the injuries. Brian Cashman can say what he wants. Carlos Rodon can say what he wants. And the easiest thing to say to appease everybody is that if this were, it's, it's one of my favorite saints, if this were a playoff game, he'd be pitching. 
We say that a lot just to make people feel better about the fact. Don't worry. It's just the regular season. Or don't worry. It's just spring training. Nobody panic. If this were a regular game, they do that in football. If this were an important game, he wouldn't have come out. He can't see straight. He's got a compound fracture. But don't worry. If this were the Super Bowl, you're damn right he'd be playing. You hear that a lot about Patrick Mahomes and his ankle. Has anyone seen Patrick Mahomes since the Super Bowl? I was dying for someone to show me what he looked like the day after the Super Bowl when the Toradol wore off. So Rodon said, I can go out there and perform, but am I performing at my best? And how long am I going to last throughout the season if I continue down this road? Ugh. That's what pitchers tell me all the time. I got this. Don't worry. It's like when you go to the mound and have a mound visit. Can you get me one more? Oh, no problem. I got you one more. You're throwing slop up there. It looks like you can't wipe your own ass. Don't worry. I got one more out in me. Boom. Home run. God damn it. We should have taken you out. All pitchers say it. I like that. That's the competitive edge that you want your players to have, which is why you don't give your players the option to do anything. I don't want my pitching coach asking my pitcher, do you got another one in you? Screw that. I'm going to tell you whether you have another one in it in you, and I'm going to make a decision, and we're going to take you out or leave you in because that's what we think is best for that particular moment. But when pitchers don't talk about their injuries, it leads to worse injuries. Now, the interesting thing is there is a direct correlation between those with guaranteed contracts who talk about their injuries early and it is inversely correlated to those without guaranteed contracts who mention their injuries early. Now, why do I say that? Carlos Rodon is going to get paid starting opening day at the rate of his contract, no matter what. Brian Cashman actually came out and said how happy he was that Rodon said something, knowing that often players don't, but forgetting players on guaranteed contracts always do. But when you're a GM like Cashman, longtime GM, you want to come out and let the other players know, please say something. It's a total Jay Johnson situation. If you feel something, say something. Because that's how we can manage it and control it. Now, if it's a pre-arbitration player or a guy in arbitration, we're going to use the fact that you're injured, that you miss starts, that you're in the training room. We're going to use that in the arbitration room. There's no doubt that we're part of the problem because that is how arbitration works. You talk about bulk, you talk about statistics, you talk about health. So we're, we're absolutely not motivating players to tell us the truth. However, if you are hurt, but you don't tell us and you don't perform well, then you go into the arbitration room and say, listen, I was hurt, but I'm a gamer. I didn't want to say anything. The arbitrators say, you should have said something because it's worse to have bad performance than no performance. It's like those multiple choice tests where it's better to leave it blank instead of getting it wrong. And you have to know the difference before you start the test to know which way you're supposed to go, whether you're supposed to guess according to the quadrant of your second hand. That's why you always have to know, is it better to leave it blank? In arbitration, it is better to go in the training room than to stink. So Cashman said, I'm glad he said something. This could have been much worse. What he means is, if Rodon hadn't said something, he goes on and pitches a month, and all of a sudden his arm falls off, and then he's out for the rest of the year. Here's the thing about a forearm strain. What's causing a forearm strain is an injury. 
it's not that the forearm strain is the injury. There is something going on that is causing his mechanics to be a certain way that is causing a strain on something that otherwise should not be strained. If you are performing in a totally healthy way with perfect mechanics, you're not going to strain anything. And if you do strain it and then you continue on, you are adjusting what you're doing to not feel the pain. That's when you get injuries elsewhere. The Yankees have a bunch of, they did a bunch of stuff in addition to bringing in Aaron Judge. Did you see that article by Ken Rosenthal about Aaron Judge, Coca? About what happened with Aaron Judge and the Padres and how much money the Padres were offering him? I have, maybe I'm wrong because the dollars are so much higher now. Because there's two players this offseason, off the subject, sorry, Coca, but two players, Trey Turner and Aaron Judge who both coincidentally were offered more money by the Padres than they ended up taking by the Yankees and Phillies respectively. And my theory has always been no player does that. Hmm. Weird. Are we at numbers that are so big that players are now willing to take less money to go to a team where they want to be? I'm still not buying it. I could do the tax analysis of California versus Philadelphia, California versus New York, but they're pretty similar. Did Aaron Judge think that being a Yankee would be far better for his Hall of Fame trajectory than being a Padre? Winning a championship for the Yankees is better than winning a championship for the Padres. Winning a championship is winning a championship. Not winning a championship for the New York Yankees and being on the Yankees your whole career is way worse for your legacy than being on the Padres and winning a championship. But the Yankees signed a bunch of guys. They got a bunch of injuries to deal with. And their payroll is so high, they're not going to be able to replace the injured players at this point. I want to give you three minutes here, Coke, if you don't mind on how this works. You have a meeting in spring training every morning. You get your staff together. You meet your GM, your manager, your president, your head of personnel, and you're going through the day, the activities, the lineup for that spring training game. You're going to meeting with the trainers to talk about the injury report. You've lined up your pitchers. All the pitchers are lined up right now. Whoever has an announced their opening day pitcher, they might as well because they're all lined up here by, by now in the middle of March. And you're trying to figure out whether or not you are going to ask your owner for additional money. And before you ask your owner for additional money in the budget, you're going to your CFO and your salespeople to see how are sales going? What's happening with season tickets? Are we over budget? Are we under budget on revenue at this point, given what we budgeted? Because you actually budget your revenue each day. That sounds pretty micro, doesn't it? But you do. March is a very important time to sell season tickets and sell individual tickets and group tickets. So we're getting a daily report of what's being sold. And we're tracking that according to where we need it to be, according to where our payroll is. When we're not hitting it, you say to the owner, hey, listen, here's the injuries. Here's the holes. Any thoughts? Do we have a shot at this? And we're looking at the payroll. This is when you're looking at the amount of money that is being offered in minor league contracts. In baseball, when you offer a minor league invite to spring training, the way the Marlins just invited Yuli Gurriel to spring training on a minor league deal. That is the former Astro first baseman, two World Series. He is now a Marlin on a minor league deal to play first base or to back up Garrett Cooper, whatever he's going to do. But when you're figuring out your opening day payroll, Yuli Gurriel doesn't count for anything yet because he has no guaranteed money. If the baseball side wants to put him on the roster to start the season, they can't do that without owner's permission and president's permission because that's having a direct impact on your payroll. 
So when you've given your team a baseball side, a budgeted payroll, that may or may not include any of these minor league invites to spring training. What we would do, we would always have room in our existing budget for one or two of the minor league invites to make the team. Those are the deals where if they make the team, they get a million, a million and a half, where the minimum was 500 grand. Now it's up to 700, let's say. But it's still having Yuli Gurriel versus a minimum guy is a difference of, let's say, a million dollars. And if that's the case, and you're going to go over budget, you got to deal with that. Those are the types of meetings that are going on right now. The Yankees are not having such meetings because their payroll is so high. They're not going to add at all. So look for Yankee injuries. Look for how it'll impact their start to the season because they have some issues in the rotation. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. It's one thing to have issues in spring training. It's another thing to have them during the season. And it's yet another thing to have them during the off season. One thing that I really enjoyed was quiet off seasons when there was negativity and loud off seasons when there was positivity. When we knew that we were going to sign players, we wanted to be loud about it, proud about it, win the off season and hope that momentum would carry us with from a revenue standpoint into the regular season. When you know you have to cut payroll or you know you've got some sort of dysfunction or you know that there's an issue with your manager or coach or with your players, you try to be as quiet as you can during the off season. When the bad news happens, you say it and then you stop talking and hope that the next news cycle happens. The Arizona Cardinals are a football team and they are having a not so good off season. First, they fired their coach that What's the name of him? Cliff Kingsbury, the good-looking coach who was sitting in that great house during a draft and everyone said, I want to be you. I want to be in your house. Cliff Kingsbury was his name. Fired him. They hired a guy named John Gannon. John Gannon was one of the two coordinators of the Eagles who was hired to be head coaches this year after their uh, season where they made it to the Super Bowl. John Gannon, 40 years old, defensive guy, comes into a situation with the Arizona Cardinals. That's a bit of a problem. Because Kyler Murray, as you recall, is their quarterback who was signed to that huge deal. Kyler Murray is the same quarterback who, when he signed, there was a provision that required him to study X hours a week of the playbook. Remember the no iPad, no movies, no distractions, no phone. We want you in detention with Judd Nelson every single week for X number of hours. Use your dandruff for snow if you're Ali Sheedy. And then all of a sudden, we all got word of that. 
the S hit the F and they eliminated that provision. But it didn't change the fact that they wanted that provision in Kyler Murray's deal. Why would that be, we wondered? Does he not focus? Does he not pay attention? Does he not care? Is he fooling around all the time? Does he not realize how serious it is? Out of nowhere yesterday, one of his offensive linemen, a guy named Kelvin Beecham, out of nowhere that I can tell, came out with a nightmare quote if you run a franchise. When asked about Kyler Murray on a show, and I'm sorry, Jason, I don't remember. I didn't write down the show. Where was it, Coca? Will you find out so we can give proper credit? Kelvin Beecham said about Kyler Murray, grow up, be a man and grow up. I didn't say he lacks leadership. I just think he needs to grow up a little bit. I think if he has the ability and willingness to grow up, he's going to be just fine. Oi. This is their quarterback who tore his ACL, tore his meniscus in December. He's not going to be ready for the start of the season. This is a team that thought that they had their quarterback of a lifetime, signed him to a contract that would indicate that he did. And now we're hearing on a radio interview with Arizona Sports 98.7, thank you, Coca, that there were issues within the Cardinals locker room about Kyler Murray. It's not just that he wasn't studying the playbook or knew the playbook or understood the playbook. Is there anything worse than when a leader can't lead or when you look to someone to be a leader and you want them to be your leader and then you realize they can't be your leader? What a letdown. It's like being inside a cult and saying, wait a minute, is that Kool-Aid gonna kill me? It's the worst idea ever. Get me out of this house of arms. That is what's going on in Arizona right now, where you are paying somebody to be your leader on and off the field and being called out by the very people who definitionally are hired to protect the leader. That's what offensive linemen do. That's their only job. They don't get endorsements. No one knows their name unless you're on the Eagles and you have a brother who plays for the Chiefs. Other than that, your job is to make sure your quarterback doesn't get the crap kicked out of him. And then when he does fall, you extend your arm, you lift him up, you pat him on the back, you carry him into the huddle and say, we got you, sorry. What a horrible job that is to know that if you miss an assignment, some guy's getting clocked. And Kyler Murray's not exactly a giant. And defensive linemen are not exactly slow these days or small. The upside of being an offensive lineman, I can't think of one off the top of my head. But that means they've got loyalty and care and admiration for their quarterback. It's not good what Kelvin Beecham said. So the first thing that John Gannon has to do as coach of the Arizona Cardinals is figure out what do I do about the culture of my clubhouse? But he can't do it during the off season. He's got to wait for training camp, but he's going to tell you he's going to do it by calling players and going to see them during the off season. Of course, going to them because they're not going to come to you. Off season workouts, get the team together, start working on culture, working on togetherness. He'll say that, but that's not really what John Gannon's doing. John Gannon, as a defensive-minded coach, has one job. When you take that Arizona Cardinals job, find a way to gain Kyler Murray's trust, attention, and respect, and maybe watch him and help him mature. That's the best hope Cardinals fans have. It's of no use that you had Marquise Brown, a wide receiver, come to Kyler Murray's defense. 
talk about Kyler Murray never calling out any players, not understanding why anyone would call out Kyler Murray. That's nice that he did it. That's not going to cure what ails the Cardinals in any way, shape, or form. So, John, head coach, Gannon, if you're listening, you got to get to Kyler Murray right now, and you have to make sure that you know how he came into camp every year, whether he was healthy or not, and then change the way he comes into camp this year. He's got to be there on time. He's got to be there with bells on, the first in every meeting, the last out of the complex every day, the hardest worker. He's got to know the playbook inside and out as though you're an actor and you're off book at the first rehearsal. That type of commitment. You can't talk about Murray anymore. You have to show the teammates and show the league and show the owner that you are a coach who can get the most out of a player who has not gotten the most out of even by Cliff. Then I would go to the media, by the way. The media that I would go to with, if I'm the Arizona Cardinals and I'm head of media on the president, is I'm getting Kyler Murray on the circuit. I'm getting him during the offseason. I want to get an article written about him in the Arizona Republic, the newspaper. I want to get a little profile done about him, maybe get him on a podcast. And I want him to say from his mouth what he's doing differently, what's exciting him about the Cardinals team, what he's doing differently as he approaches the season, how his rehab is going, when he expects to be back, and his excitement about the possibility of winning. Not anybody else, not the coach, not other players, not the president, the owner. I want Murray doing it himself. And if he won't do it, man, we got a problem, given the contract we gave him. So let's look for that. I would strongly suggest that you will see Kyler Murray out talking at some point because that would be smart of the Cardinals to make him do. We'll find out. All right, we come back. It is Oscar time on Sunday. I'll give you my Oscar predictions, and we're going to talk about my favorite player ever, ever. Remember, not just in baseball. I'm going to talk about my favorite player in any sport ever. We'll be right back. Gotta love those CBS promotional commercials. Get them while you're hot. <laughs> 4869. Get them while you're hot. Wait, 4129. Get them while they're hot. CBS Galazzo is a good one. That's gonna be a 24 hour network, all of football. If you're not embracing football right now, you are missing the boat. Here's the boat. Get in the boat, Jason Bateman. All right, it's Oscar time. By the way, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it means you're not watching us live every day at 8 a.m. What else are you doing? You can watch us live, you can listen to us live on YouTube. Watch us every, it's not every day yet. Stay tuned. It may be one day, just not today. No, no, today actually is live. Oscars. I sent a tweet that no one got. I thought it'd be clever. Coca said, of course, your tweet wasn't clever because if you laugh at your tweet, that means it's an inside joke that no one else laughs at. The Oscars are coming Sunday. The biggest story of the Oscars is not whether Michelle Yao will be the first Asian actress to win Best Actress. No, that's not the story. The biggest story will not be whether Quan will win Best Supporting Actor for Everything Everywhere at Once. Of course he's gonna win. That's not the biggest story. It's not Jimmy Kimmel's first words. It's what will happen throughout the course of the show regarding the slap. The slap heard around the world, whether you like the Oscars or not, it was the biggest story of the last 365 days. Let me do a poll. What If I ask you what the biggest story was of the last year, are you going to say Will Smith slapping Chris Rock at the Oscars, Patrick Mahomes winning the Super Bowl, 
Max Verstappen winning the Grand Prix, live golf tournament starting to to uh, a new golf tournament to compete with PGA, or are you going to say that the Golden State Warriors won the NBA championship? What is the biggest story of the last year? To me, it is Will Smith actually walking on stage in a live event. I know the war in Ukraine is a bigger story. I, that wasn't in the poll, Coca. Do your own poll if you want the Ukraine war to be in there. The reason I didn't put, I purposely didn't do that, Matt. If you put the war in Ukraine in a poll of the most important stories of the past year, of course that's going to win. I'm doing a poll to manipulate the winner what I want to win, which is the slap of Will Smith to Chris Rock. Can I move on now? So Will Smith slaps Chris Rock. It's going to be dealt with. And I tweeted, wouldn't it be funny, do you all think, that there will be a line of security guards wearing yellow windbreakers in front of the stage? How great would that be if they did that? Not because they need it, because it's funny. Like a rock concert when they have security lining the stage so no one can rush the stage. Am I the only one getting that? Okay. I have no inside information. So if that happens, I'm going for a victory lap. And if it doesn't happen, I'm still going for a victory lap on Monday when we talk about what happened on the Oscars. And I'm going to say they missed a golden opportunity for a comedic gem. So we are going to tweet at David P. Sampson. My, I will tweet out my entire ballot, all 23 categories. And I will tweet it out right during the show on Sunday. No, I'm just, <laughs> do you like people to do that? No, I'm tweeting it out today. So you can fill out your own ballots and I have credibility because you'll know that I did it in advance. I want to just give you the top right now, eight categories as wait to cease. Let's start with best actor. It is a three person race between Colin Farrell of Banshees of Inisherin, Brendan Fraser of The Whale and Austin Butler of Elvis. I would encourage you, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the great spreadsheet that Coco put together. I would encourage you to see all three of those movies I want Colin Farrell to win because Banshees of Inisherin was my number one movie this year. Brendan Fraser of The Whale was so good, but the movie did not get enough attention from the Academy. The winner will be Austin Butler from Elvis, and I hope he doesn't say, hey, I got a hunk of hunk of bun in love. Thanks for the award. It'll give us a chance to honor Lisa Marie Presley in the In Memoriam. It'll be a very nice touching moment for the Academy Awards. He'll win. But Farrell is my preference, but Butler's my choice. All right, best actress. Best performance by an actress in a movie by far was Kate Blanchett in Tar. By far, that's who I think should win. But Michelle Yo Yao will win for everything, everywhere, all at once. Fantastic performance. She will become the first ever Asian actress to win best actress. It's going to happen someday. Best Supporting Actor, also from Everything Everywhere All at Once. The guy from The Goonies, you know who it is, Josh Gad. Quan, he did it. Indiana Jones, hadn't acted in decades. He's winning the award. He should win the award. Now, the other candidates in that category were fantastic. I told you to watch Causeway with Brian Taylor, Tyree Henry. Uh, the Fablemans with Judd Hirsch, what a performance. And of course, all, everybody from The Banshees. But Supporting Actor is going to go to Everything Everywhere All at Once. Supporting actress is really up in the air. That's going to be a tough one in your pool to choose. I'm going with Angela Bassett from Black Panther. I believe the right decision is to go with Angela Bassett because I think she will win 
If you're asking me who should win, I'm going back to my favorite movie of the year, Kerry Condon in The Banshees of Inisherin is exactly what a winning performance is for supporting actress, but I think Angela Bassett wins. Best director, slam dunk, the two guys who directed everything everywhere all at once. Just put that in your pool. You will win. Daniel Kwan and the other Daniels, the two Daniels, it's, it's done. All right, let's talk about screenplays. There's two types of screenplays, one that someone makes up from the top of their head and one where they say, oh, that's a good book. Let's make that into a movie or that's a good commercial. Let's make that into a movie. It comes from another source, an adapted screenplay. There are five good candidates in adapted screenplay. My favorite movie of them all is a movie that we reviewed. Did we review Living with Bill Nahi yet, Coca? I can't remember whether we did. If not, we will. Bill Nye's performance nominated for best actor was spectacular. The movie itself is written so absolutely perfectly that it will blow your mind away. However, women talking is even better. Would it be nice to give the award to Steven Spielberg for the Fablemans? Yeah, but I think this is gonna go to women talking, adapted screenplay. All right, original screenplay. To me, Martin McDonough's screenplay and he wrote in Bruges, he wrote The Banshees of Inisherin. He directed The Banshees of Inisherin. Still the best movie I saw this year. He should win original screenplay, but I am looking for a complete sweep, basically, of everything, everywhere, all at once. I'm looking at best director, best original screenplay, best actress, best supporting actor, best director. Go with E-E-A-A-O for best screenplay original and finally best picture don't talk to me about top gun i liked it it was fine triangle of sadness sleeper i reviewed it go back to all the reviews we have a document coca where we do all the movies we reviewed coca did it he makes it available to all of you feel free to go look at it and see everything we reviewed i've seen all 10 best picture movies everything everywhere all at once is going to win best picture the second time I saw it was way better than the first. It's extremely confusing. All of that said, it's going to win Best Picture, but The Banshees of Sharon was my Best Picture for the year. So look for Twitter. I will have all 23 categories, but those are the eight that I wanted to do for Wait to Seize. Wait to Seize when we tell you something's going to happen. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, but either way, we will revisit it. This is important as I move forward with nothing personal, as me and Coca take this show to new levels, we're right now on show 770 of the regular format, plus another 100 plus of bonus shows and mailbags and sit downs. We've been doing this only since October of 19, but you get to account that high when you do it every day the way we do. What I've noticed about our industry is that everyone's only too happy to tell you things that are happening and then ignore it if they're wrong. I am okay being wrong. When you talk for 45 minutes into a camera with a studio audience of one hanger, one blanket, and one pile of dry cleaning, you know very well you're going to get it wrong. Let's talk about a wait to see, if you don't mind. The reason I didn't do any sort of wait to see on Patrick Ewing in Georgetown is that we haven't really talked about Patrick Ewing at Georgetown. He's been under pressure for two years now. Georgetown has had that terrible record in the Big East. They went through an entire season without winning anything. Didn't even win a game. Patrick Ewing is Georgetown. 
I did not like Patrick Ewing when he was on Georgetown because I wasn't a fan of Georgetown when he was in college because I was all about Jordan or Bird or Magic or Wisconsin or anybody else. Georgetown didn't interest me. When Patrick Ewing's envelope got stuck to the bottom of the lottery wheel in 1980, whenever it was, 84, 85, 83, I think it was 84, Patrick Ewing became my favorite player from the beginning. Patrick Ewing was a defender in college, and he became in the top five offensive centers of all time. And I'm happy to debate this with you, but I've watched them. Patrick Ewing's offense, for in, in today's game, Patrick Ewing is scoring 30 points a game, even though it's not a center-dominated league. Patrick Ewing's mid-range jump shot, which is now not a part of basketball, was the best mid-range jump shot of any center in the history of basketball. I'm talking about Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing wanted to be a coach after his playing days. He was assistant coach in the NBA, and he got an opportunity to become a head coach for the first time from his alma mater. When you run a school or you run a team and you bring back a legend to be your manager or your coach, you are taking an immediate risk. The immediate risk is that you are going to do something to hurt the legacy of that player. So whenever we're interviewing to bring someone in who is a legend of our team into any sort of coaching position or managerial position, you would say to them, are you prepared to be fired? Are you prepared to be remembered as a failed coach, manager, et cetera? They all say yes, and I'm not sure they are. And I feel terribly for Patrick Ewing today. Patrick Ewing lost his job with Georgetown. Correctly so. You can't run a team for as many years as Patrick has. Had the lack of success that he's had going 13 and 50 over the last two years. 13 and 50 over the last two years. You cannot do that and keep your job but it's Patrick Ewing. It's not easy to fire a legend, which is why hiring a legend has to be done extremely carefully. There are some examples of success. Let me think about a good one. Jawan Howard at Michigan. That's a good one. Legend at Michigan. Now the head coach at Michigan. He's brought them like to the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight. He's done great with them. But guess what? He's going to get fired too. How many Jim Boheims are there? How many Coach K's are there? Dean Smith's, John Wooden's, John Thompson's. I can count on my right hand the number of coaches who coach somewhere for a lifetime and only leave when they are too old or die. The most obvious is that coaches are hired to be fired. Managers are hired to be fired. GMs are hired to be fired. And so are team presidents. When you hire Patrick Ewing, you think about that. You put that in the equation. You make sure he understands it properly because when he does get fired, you got to make sure that you keep him as a legend of your basketball program, that you keep him as a, what's the word, Coca? Help me. An al an, not an ally, not a commandant a, um, an ambassador. Thank you. That you keep him as an ambassador of your program and of your school. It is so important not to lose Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing had a great quote, which is important that he had it. 
And there was a quote about how appreciative he was of Georgetown, how he appreciates the opportunity, that it was his dream to be a head coach at Georgetown. And you allowed me to fulfill my dream. And I have nothing but love for the Hoyas. And I'm ready to go to the dinners and give the speeches and do the things that I'm not going to be doing as head coach anymore. Whew. That is lucky. It doesn't always work that way. Sometimes you can have a fissure when you have a superstar, a legend come be a coach who gets fired, and that interrupts the relationship. Thankfully, it didn't happen. It's not going to happen with Patrick Ewing. But when you are hiring a legend, please be careful. It doesn't always work out well. You know what else you shouldn't do? You shouldn't make picks based on emotion based on being a homie. Hey, um, do you know that in the New York books, the reason why the odds are different for New York Knicks games, let's say, is that everyone in New York wants to bet on the Knicks. Why? Because it's New York and they're rooting for the Knicks. So people want to bet on the team that they love, home teams. I'm going to the game. Let me put a little action on it. Very few people say, you know what? I'm going to the game. I'm going to bet against my favorite team because in that case, no matter what, I win. If my team wins, I'm happy my team wins. If my team loses, I won the bet. The problem with that philosophy is you go to that game and from the tip, you're rooting against your team. That's the psychology of gambling. That's the psychology of money. So given that you know that fact, you tend to bet your team. True. We had the Grizzlies at home for whatever reason, the Golden State Warriors were favored over the Memphis Grizzlies in Memphis because Ja wasn't playing. The Golden State Warriors are so bad on the road that they cannot under any circumstance defend their title. They have zero chance in the playoffs. A team that bad on the road does not win championships. And that is purely anecdotal with not one minute of research, but I can tell you that you will not be able to prove me wrong. Go ahead and look. Find me a below 500 road team that won the NBA championship. Now you're going to find one, I'm sure, and you're going to say, Samson, you didn't do your job. Prepare better. How can I know to prepare for that one? I didn't know I was going to say it till just now. But anytime I see the Warriors favored on the road, I'm taking the Grizzlies. And I did. And we won. We're back to 32 and 34. We are climbing back to 500, which Coca does not give one iota about. It's all about the money. We are still down for the year, but we are not yet done with the first quarter of the year. There's four quarters of a year that last three months each, January, February, March. I got time. Relax. I told you, wait to see, we'll end up winning. All right, here we go. Picks for the weekend. It is World Baseball Classic time. In case you want to know, Japan is crushing Korea right now. They're up 13-4 in the bottom of the seventh. Japan's about to go to, what is it, 2-0 or even 3-0 now in pool play. Japan is going to make it to the qualifying, to the quarterfinals, and my pick is alive. Whew. I told you that Japan was going to win the World Baseball Classic. All right, the Heat are playing the Cavs again in Miami. The Cavs have been, what, in Miami for how long? I think, is this their second straight game? Didn't they just play a team twice in a row in Miami? Is that what's happening now that they're playing two teams in a row, two games in a row, the same team, like all the time? I don't know. Yeah, they played the Hawks twice, Coco, but have they played the Cavs twice? I don't know. All I know is the Heat are getting one and a half points at home, much like the Grizzlies got one and a half from the Warriors and we took the Grizzlies in one. Tonight, we're taking the Heat plus one and a half. Don't sleep on the Cavs. They are not the Cavs of old. 
And I don't mean the Cavs with LeBron that won the title with Irving and Love. I'm talking about these are the Cavs of Donovan Mitchell, and they are damn good. They're a better team than the Heat. The Heat have been playing only like a first-round loser would play. At best, maybe even a play-in loser. But for whatever reason, I like the Heat tonight. I know the reason. The Heat at home are going to beat the Cavs. All right, tomorrow is the day. Tomorrow is the day. World Baseball Classic, USA starts, Dominican Republic starts, Venezuela starts. Dominican Republic and Venezuela are playing in Miami. Some of the most exciting times I had at Marlins Park or Pro Player was when the Dominican team would come and play. They take over the clubhouse. That's the last time I got to see Jose Reyes. Was We traded him in 2012, and I reunited with him and spent a bunch of time talking to him during the World Baseball Classic. And it was interesting that uh, they, they are... They're a good team, to say the least. And their view of beating Venezuela is more important than Mets players wanting to beat the Yankees. That is the level of national pride that we are trying to capture here in the World Baseball Classic. So I've got the Dominican Republic beating Venezuela on Saturday in the first game of their pool play. On the mound is the Marlins pitcher, the Cy Young Award winner, Sandy Alcantara. He's going to get Venezuela bet it. Saturday later in the evening, it's the USA and Adam Wainwright playing Great Britain. It's a slam dunk. The USA will win. So I have three picks. Heat plus one and a half, Dominican Republic over Venezuela Saturday, USA over Green, Great Britain on Saturday. One thing you may have been noticing is all of these teams are playing actual major league teams as exhibitions. So if you look at spring training box scores and spring training matchups, you're seeing Mets against Venezuela or Giants against USA or Panama against the Rays, whatever you're seeing. This is standard operating procedure. These games do not count in the grapefruit standings. They do not count. The stats don't count because they are not actual spring training games. They are exhibition games. So when you play against another team like the Marlins beat Israel 16 to 5 or whatever they did, but you don't get 16 runs on your ledger as what you've scored during spring training. Teams do not have a choice but to play these games. It's not like Major League Baseball asks any volunteers. It's not how it works. You get a call from the commissioner or someone under the commissioner when you're doing the schedule and you're saying, here's when you're going to be playing exhibitions. The only, the only thing you have a choice in is whether your facility will house one of the teams. The reason that's an issue is that there are some teams that don't want a national team in their facilities because they have to pay for the cleanup. They have to pay for the wear and tear on the fields because those teams are having spring training. They're practicing together. So you do have the opportunity to say no. We always said yes in Jupiter because we liked having people around and adding excitement. I always liked that idea. So there's so much going on with the World Baseball Classic. It will be coming into America this weekend, starting tomorrow. Make sure you watch. Big weekend. Academy Awards. Kyler Murray. No, he's not doing anything this weekend. World Baseball Classic. NCAA Tournament Selection Sunday's coming up. March Madness. Let's go Tar Heels. Defend that title in the NIT. Have a good weekend. It's just business. This is nothing personal.